How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Hey, just wanted to kind of let you all know that we've restarted our Patreon at patreon.com slash speaking of which. Uh, there's a bunch of new tier options out there for you guys. Really hope you guys can help support us because we do this completely for free because we can, but we could really use the additional support, especially in these kind of trying times. So without further ado, here's the newest episode and thanks. Also, if you do start pitching, uh, every episode's going to start this way from now on, so haha, suckers, you always have to hear it, and you'll always get to hear your name, even if you just pitch a dollar. So hey, we appreciate it, and stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Drunken Book Club. I'm your host Christopher the Rupal, joined with Sam. And this week, oh shit, I left my book over there. Hold on. Oopsies. This 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 week, it's like I read a book a week. No, well, I did. It did take me a week to finish this book, but I read. Uh, it's it's from a series called "You're Invited to a Creepover." Ready for a scare by RJ Knight or PJ Knight. <laughs> I'm dyslexic Wait. and drunk. Like, Way to drop the ball, Sam. Yeah, drop the ball on me. <laughs> so what did we pregame this this time on Drunken Book Club, Sam? I chugged two Angry Orchards. You chugged one, but drank two. Well, I chugged like one and a half. Yeah. Because you made me drink every time I laughed or said awe at a meme compilation. I had three glasses of wine while making dinner today. We we had Euros. They they were alright, they weren't too bad. I was about to say they weren't handmade. They were Fries Euros. Yeah. Not bad. I was about to say I would have it again personally, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I had that and a it's this lemon shandy beard. Beard. <laughs> lemon shandy beer. I can't remember what the brand is. It's a German one, so I, I couldn't even pronounce it. It's like Lieberschon or something. If it was in front of me, I could try it, but I'm not. I don't want to get up. Yeah, that's about to say. You're too drunk. You're drunk. Yeah. Sam's a drunkard. Yeah. She's a sad drunkard. And then I'm currently nursing a Harder Cranberry Mike's Hard Lemonade. Harder. Hmm. I didn't say er loud enough, I guess. Er. Er. And Sam's not nursing anything because she's uh she's she can't have any more. I, I would I would be sick. <laughs> All right, Sam. So when I say when I when, okay, let's describe the cover for our audience out there. It's a girl on in like a pink like shirt and black and pink striped pajama pants, a mug of hot cocoa, and a cat that looks pissed off. And she's in front of a laptop that says in green drippy font, "Ready for a scare." Alright, and what Sam missed out on was the girls looking back on us being like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking scare my friends. And what, how old would you say she looks, Sam? Uh, like 13, 14? Well, you, you'd you be fucking wrong. I think she's like 12 in the book, I don't know. Close to fuck enough. Right. <laughs> she, looks, she looks older than she appears. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I think she looks like a teenager. Yeah. But this is, this is a preteen novel. This is a, this is clearly... I'm, I don't want to use the term rip-off of Goosebumps, but this is clearly trying to be what Goosebumps is. Like, this is a series, apparently, this You're Invited to a Creepover. It's a it's a series of books. They're not around the same characters. It's like Goosebumps in that way, where it's different characters and different things happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is just... We found this at Bookman's. Um, it belonged to a Madison Smith. 
It was gifted to her by a Mrs. Mulcany or Mulvaney. Mul, Mul, no, Mulcavy. Mul, Mulcaney. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's funny. This th- this book was gifted to her by a teacher. Did a teacher ever give you a book or anything like that? I accidentally stole books from a teacher. Whoa. Because it was one of those like lending library things, but yeah. it went on the honor system and I just forgot to bring back the books. <laughs> what, it wasn't even like a specific. What teacher was this? It was an Utterback. Okay. It was Miss Reed, because then we did, like, a whole, like, what the Holocaust was like, like, where, like, we had it separated by, like, blue and brown eyes or some shit like that. Yeah. But we called her Miss Reedler instead of Hitler. (laughs) Called her Reedler. Was that her choice or the student's choice? Student's choice. (laughs) This is what happens when you have gate classes. This is the gifted class. We will call her Miss Reedler. She would be the true Aryan, I mean, the true blue-eyed nation. I mean, to be fair, she was, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed. Oh. (laughs) She was. That's funny. She was also getting a divorce that she told us about. Ooh, that's that's a good topic for uh, for middle schoolers to know. Well, it wasn't, like, one of those where she was, like, talking in depth. She was like, I'm going through a divorce right now, and that was it. Yeah. So, okay, Sam, what do you... Oh, oh, by the way, on the back, there's a creepometer... And it's a scale of one to five. One being sleep like a baby. Two, sleep with one eye open. Three, sleep under the covers. Four, sleep with the lights on. And five is never sleep again. And this apparently marks, this is a five one of never sleep again. Hmm. Yeah, let's, let's, let's see if Sam gets so scared by me describing this book to her. Do you want me to guess what it's about based on the cover? Yeah, why don't you tell me? What do you think this book is about? See, I think it's like girls like gonna do a sleepover and it's like, let's look let's look at some stuff online that's creepy. And one girl's like, no, don't do it. It's gonna be scary. I'm gonna say this book came out in 2011. Do you change your your uh, opinion on that? Um, I'd say no personally for you. Because, yeah. I mean, look at it. I mean, in 2011. Based on, based on the picture. And there's still internet. Like, I still... Yeah. I was going to say, like, Ed and I still, like, search the internet till the wee hours of the night in, like, 2009. Yeah. But be like, no, it's scary. And then them being like, shut up. You're dumb. And then, like, creepy shit happens and, like, a ghost taunts it or something. I don't know. But then, like, spooky shenanigans happen because of them looking on something. Okay, what do you think the twist ending is? Because this... I've I've already given away that this clearly rips off R.L. Stein. I don't want to say rips off, but I'm too drunk to think of a better word. It pays homage to R.L. Stein's writing. One of the girls was dead all along. Well, Sam, will you bet your black cherry on that one? No. That's that's a good pl- that's a good plan because you're wrong. <laughs> I figured. Alrighty. So it, this book is about a girl named Kelly. Actually, actually, you know what? Before anything, the the tale begins. Our tale begins with a girl freezing to death in the snow. And unable to get back inside, she keeps saying she will get revenge on whoever did this to her. And that's how the prologue ends. Okay. (laughs) So, here we go. So, Kelly is excited for her birthday party sleepover with her two friends tonight. Her little brother Ryan says mom and dad called from the airport and said they are stuck in Philadelphia. How does that make you feel, Sam? Why would they... What? I, I just think the parents had poor planning. Why would they be out of town on their kid's birthday? Birthday weekend. Still, if the kid's celebrating their birthday that weekend, that's just a dick They're, they're in Vermont. Vermont's not that far from Philly. Yeah, but still, like, why, why not? Like, just... they thought they could make it. It okay. was it was dad's poor planning, is, is what uh, mom said over the phone. Fucking dad. And then it started to snow, and they couldn't get back in time. Fucking dad. Uh, soon her parents call and inform her that they will be stuck in Philly for the night, and that Chrissy Cox will be over later with a pizza to babysit them. But Kaylee complains... She doesn't need a babysitter because she's old enough to take care of herself. And her friends will be over. Her parents tell her that that's not going to happen this week. Maybe next week. Kelly is butthurt (laughs) over all of this. And notices an article on her mom's bulletin board about a woman named Owen... uh, Sorry, Mary Owens. Who died after a Christmas party when an avalanche smothered her to death. The chapter ends... With this, with this, with this. I have to what, read it. Why, why does mom have that on a bulletin board? Mom is a writer for like a, kind of like, a, you know how the Tucson Weekly, it's like that, one of those kind of newspapers, but she's like part of like a historical ones. Oh, okay. And like she, she's in charge of that. 
Okay, to be fair, I thought it would be, like, one of those, like, kitchen recipe, like, one of those, like, family ones. No. That's just a weird thing of, like, the lasagna recipe. Woman killed an avalanche. <laughs> Remember to take Spotty out for a walk. Oh, fuck. I wish I knew where I, where I wanted to read on page 13. <laughs> she glanced out the window over the sink. The sky remained its usual winter gray. Thick clouds, but no storm. All this craziness over nothing, she thought. I've been looking forward to this sleepover, this sleepover all week, and now I have to sit here with a babysitter? Totally bored? She had no idea of the horrors that lay ahead. Why can't she have her friends over, like, if the babysitter's still there? I mean, would you trust a teenage babysitter with three teenage girls? Or preteen girls? That's fair. And a little boy? That's fair. That's why. But it's also like they're 12. It's not like they're, like... Not like they're like infants. They're infants. You can't take care of that many. They're not gonna like eat battery. It's not. Kelly that- heads upstairs and I am's. That's right. She used instant messenger. Sweet. <laughs> yep. That takes me back to the days of Skype. Right. Uh, she I am's her two friends Paige and June and tells them the sleepover is canceled until next week. Then there's a commotion downstairs and we hear Ryan charge up the stairs two at a time. And he confronts his sister over a severed finger she left in the cookies. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. He demands she leaves him alone for the night, and she obliges with a triumphant smile, knowing she spooked him good. That's that's the book's words, not mine. Spooked him good. Yes, yeah, they use the word spooked a lot. Spook. Their third friend, Spencer, logs into IM and is informed of the cancelled slumber party. Kaylee gets a voicemail from her mom about how they arrived at their motel. And she's not happy, uh, mostly because, like, the motel is shit and her dad's an idiot. Because, again, dad fucking sucks at planning. Yep. Yeah, they were trying to sell, um, because they also make blankets. Because that's, the, like, the dad's job. He's, he makes blankets for, like, I think it's, like, the Vermont's blanket company or something. And they are trying to sell to Philly. Uh. And apparently Vermont has really good uh, wool blankets. Hmm. Yeah, uh, when we visit Vermont, we'll find out. We could also shop online. Why can't we go to Vermont? We can go to Vermont. I'm not saying... I want to visit Bernie Sanders and be like, Yo, I wish you were president. Yeah. Yo, bye. And then get then. some... And then get some wool blankets. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll and, and cover... And we'll cover <laughs> uh, Bernie like a, like a said cat. <laughs> wow. I, I, am, I am Bernie Sanders and this makes me a sad cat. Uh, um, and this gives Kelly an idea for a classic scare about, you know, her parents being stuck in a motel. They're gonna fuck. Uh, I actually need to read something. I'm gonna read this, this scary I am she made for them. So, her, her screen name is Kookie Kel 2011. You guys won't believe what just happened to my parents. The taxi left them off in front of a rundown building on the far edge of Philly. The entire street was blanketed in drifts of snow. Even in the storm, my mom could see this was the kind of place you only checked into if you were desperate, which they were. The bricks were cracked, thick dust lined the windows, and the roof slumped in at a dangerous angle. The taxi pulled away, disappearing down the street, leaving them alone. Everything was completely silent. There were no other cars, no sounds, nothing. Junie 206 said, OMG! Did they go in? And page, page four piece four twenty one. <laughs> yeah, four twenty one. I'm gonna put four twenty, and then mom was like, "Why is that four twenty one?" I wanted. Cookie Cal twenty eleven says they had no choice. They pushed up, opened the heavy wooden door, and stepped into complete blackness. No lights. They called out, but got no answer. My father reached around desperately for a light switch. Soon his fingers felt one, and he flicked it on, and and. Dot, dot, dot. Behind the front desk sat a skeleton! <laughs> Who knew how long the body had been there? Probably Running away? The flesh had decomposed and only the bones remained. Dot, dot, dot. Sitting there! Menacingly! Uh, he's just standing there. Menacingly! Waiting to greet the guest. Then the motel phone rang. It rang and rang. My father took a hesitant step forward and lifted to receive her. Hello, he said. Spencer X-77. Who was calling? What did they say? Who was phone? Cookie Kell replies. He said, gotcha! (laughs) 
Kelly rules. She laughed as her friends typed back annoyed that she had done it again. Cookout 2011 replied, I am the queen of scares. I spooked him. I spooked him. Spooky spooky. Spooky kooky. Uh, hold on. Oh look, Trey. Trey sent me something, but I can't read it. She's disappointed though, since she couldn't see her friend's reaction to the scare, and then hatches a plan. They can have a webcam sleepover. Even Spencer can join them, since it won't be as creepy having a boy on, on with a webcam over. Eight o'clock sharp. Be there in pajamas or be square. That, that was, those were my words, not her words. Sorry, their words, because I don't know who wrote this. They don't say if it's a boy or girl who wrote this. They say that PJ Knight is a mysterious figure. I gotta it's sit up. Wayne Knight's sibling. Th- that's not how Wayne Knight spells his name. I don't care. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I didn't look at the spelling and I didn't look at Wayne Knight's spelling. Is that fair? Wayne Knight is spelled like a knight in shining armor. Maybe they changed the spelling. Like, there's like three different ways to spell my last name. So Chrissy the babysitter arrives with pizza and we find out she's Paige's sister and knows about the webcam sleepover and tells Kelly to come down every now and then so she knows she's still alive. (laughs) We are also introduced to the family cat, Ezra, who always wants to be on the high ground like he's Obi-Wan or something. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! I mean, that's how some cats are. Yep. That's why you gotta catify your space. So the sleepover commences, and they all get in, and there's a mysterious person with Spencer. It turns out to be a boy named Gavin Mahoy. Show me your tits! A new kid at their school. Then Chrissy enters Kelly's room and says she brought ice cream for her and said it's not, not a sleepover without sweets, and then taunts her sister Paige, saying that she knows there isn't ice cream at their house. Why couldn't she bring her sister? I'm just saying, if they're already I mean, siblings, what if mom said no? Touche. I was about to say, mom probably said no. Uh, Chrissy sits in on the sleepover and chats with the kids when Kelly freaks freaks out on her and says there's a gross hairy spider on her. Chrissy freaks out and begs Kelly to help her get it off. And it's a fake. And she gets spooked by the Scaremaster Kelly. Spooked ya. Chrissy leaves them to go watch TV with Ryan. And the kids decide it's time for a ghost story. At first they ask Kelly since she has a book of ghost stories, but Gavin chimes in and says he has a ghost story if they're interested in hearing it. And this is how it goes. And it's a it's a pretty good one. I've gotta gotta pull this sucker up. See all I can think of is Kelly having like the hundred and one ghost stories and it's like that hundred and one wit riddles, but they're all the same. <laughs> this riddle what is black and white and red all over? So here we go. Here here is the, the, the story You need some background, Gavin began. I came from a small town in the way northern part of the state, right near the Canadian border. It isn't really a town, more like a bunch of cabins in the woods. My dad worked for a lumber mill. He blinked several times. Things were different up there. People weren't so friendly, or so trusting. We pretty much kept to ourselves, except for one night every year. Kayla leaned closer, studying Gavin's face. It had an intensity she had never seen before. Every year, on January 29th, we'd gather at the old Richardson place. It wasn't that we much liked the company. It was just accepted that, on a night like that, there was safety in numbers. He pushed his fingertips together, methodically, cracking each knuckle. The howling started at nightfall. What howling? Spencer asked. (laughs) Animals. The attack started small. Rabbits and squirrels, then bigger animals. Foxes, deer. Gavin swallowed hard. The cries would then get real louder, more intense. The shrieks of geese, the wails of wolves. Why were they making all that noise? Paige wrapped her arms around a pillow, hugging it close. Gavin blinked rapidly. A nervous habit? Death is painful, vicious, especially under the powerful grip of the Lagad. The what? Was Gavin making this up? Normally, Kelly would have thought so. But that cold, faraway look in his eyes was a stare of someone who hadn't witnessed horrible things. The people who were natives to the woods called it him, the Lagad, an ancient name. Who was it? Paige wanted to know. Gavin paused. Hard to tell. Some said it was a man who had turned into a hairy, ravenous creature. Some said it was a huge creature that had human-like traits. 
whatever it was. It was supernatural and deadly. It just Was it like pork chops? Yeah, it likes pork chops. It descended from the mountains on the one night every year as an act of revenge against the loggers who had destroyed its lair on that very day generations ago. The Lagad returned to settle the score. By killing animals? It warmed up with animals, he explained. As the hour grew later, it tracked people the same way some people hunt deer. Dot, dot, dot. Silently following tracks. Dot, dot, dot. Sense. Alone in your house, you were no match for Lagad. You would hear the crunch of its footsteps, maybe the crack of a twig, the scraping of its claws against your door. Then it was all over. Did you see it? June asked. His right eyelid twitched involuntarily as he measured his response. Yes. <gasps> Kelly could hear herself breathing. Had the creature done something that had caused Gravin to leave his home to move down here? Gavin stared into the distance, remembering that terrible time. My brother and I were home alone. We should have been at Richardson's place, keeping the vigil with everyone else. But we were waiting for my dad. His truck had broken down and he was coming from the mechanic. To get us. It was too long a walk in the cold to Richardson's. So we waited. We waited too long. Kelly pulled her sweatshirt sleeves over her hands. The darkness of the room cocooned her, transporting her to that desolate cabin in the northern woods. We were upstairs when we heard the noises at the back door. Grunts. Pounding. We huddled together, terrified. It was here. It was coming for us. There was nowhere to hide. And then we heard the splintering of wood. Kelly could hear the scraping of the creature's claws, the cracking of the door, as the creature banged its way into the cabin. So close. Scraping. Scraping. She let out a low moan as the sound grew louder. The creature was coming. Suddenly, she knew the scraping wasn't part of the Gavin story. She could hear that the sound in her room. Behind her! Something was trying to get in. Something was trying to get her. She rolled around. Nothing. She scanned the darkness. Her monitor threw off enough light to make out the outlines of her bed, night table, and dresser. Gavin continued to speak, but she tuned him out. Slowly, she stood. Her legs trembled as the scraping came again from the window. Her hands freezing with fear, she edged away from the desk and stepped silently toward the window. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. So the noise, you asked Sam? What do you think it is? Ezra. Nope. It was just branches scratching the window. Okay. Fucking fake-ass scare. I, I figured. She then decides she won't be scared and will continue being the one who scares for the night. Paige then throws out the idea of summoning the dead. Spencer says John Lennon. June says Cleopatra, and they both get shot down. Paige recommends the idea of someone from their town, someone who died long ago, and Kelly has the perfect person. She will summon forth Miss Mary Owens. Let's, uh, let's read a little bit about Miss Mary Owens on page 39. I'll tell you about Mary. She pauses the old heater in the attic above her clanked, revving up to fight the cold creeping through the ancient wood siding. The wind gusted and the branches rattled against the house. She died on a night like this. How do you know about her? Paige asked. Kelly told him about the article she read that afternoon. The year was 1966. Mary was young, like Chrissy's age. She'd come to her town to visit her aunt for the holidays. Her aunt lived out past the McMaster farm, near the base of the big mountain. Back then, there were no strip malls, just houses and farms. And in Vermont, in the winter, there was snow. Lots and lots of it. She paused to recollect the story. Her aunt threw a large party. Lots of people. Caroling and food and holiday cheer. Mary had an eye for beauty. She decorated her aunt's tree with dozens of candy canes. She wove garlands with those round red and white peppermint candies and strung them around the rooms. Guests remarked on the scent of peppermint that filled the house. Mary even placed mints on a string and wore it as a necklace. Surrounding herself with the holiday aroma. It sounds very sticky. Yes, it does, actually. Like that's, that's, That sounds gross. <laughs> now, crafty is nice where grown-ups are concerned, but Mary was beautiful, too. So, of course, the local boys at the party noticed her. And, of course, the local girls noticed the local boys noticing Mary. And some of the local girls also noticed Mary, too. Yes, they did. Well, I just said that. Which didn't go over us so well. 
Especially some of those boys were the boyfriends of some of those jealous girls. Kelly pictured Mary sitting by the fireplace in her red and white dress, laughing slightly as a group of boys brought her punch and iced gingerbread cookies. Good for Mary. Not so good for the ignored girlfriends. During the party, the phone rang. The caller asked for Miss Mary. Mary took the call in the privacy of the kitchen, but she didn't go back to the party. No one noticed it at first. She immediately went out the back door, wearing only her party dress. Snow had started to fall, and now was on its way. No one would even know who called or what the caller had said. But something drove Mary to walk through the snow without a coat. To the shed at the farthest part of the property in the darkness of a freezing winter night. What happened? Spencer asked. Before this, there had been days and days of storms. Wet, heavy snow was piled everywhere. A huge mound of snow and ice had accumulated on the shed roof. Mary entered the rickety shed alone. Why? Who knows? The door must have slammed behind her, setting off an avalanche of the snow on the roof. The rumbling was deafening. There was no time to run, nowhere to go. Tons of snow crashed in a wave as the roof crumbled. Mary was found the next morning. The article said the smell of mint filled the destroyed cabin. She had tried to claw her way out of the suffocating whiteness, and her bare hands were frozen in place. Her mouth was forever stuck in a horrified scream. She had been buried alive. The faint whirring of her computer was the only sound Kelly could hear. Her friends remained silent, their thoughts with the helpless girl. Uh, do I need to continue? Uh... Oh, yes, I do, actually. Kelly continued. Some of the girls from the party were suspected of alluring her out there, but no one could prove anything. It would have been, it could have been anyone. A secret past, perhaps? And no one could have known after all that heavy snow would have thundered down. The case is still unsolved. She took a deep breath and stared straight into the camera. People say that Mary's spirit hasn't left the area. They say that she wanders about on the snowiest nights. They say that she strikes out at the young, trying to take their life the way her life was taken tragically early. So they agree on finding Mary, so they all turn off their phones. All of them grab reflective surfaced items and spin a circle 13 times. And with each rotation, say, saying, Miss Mary... They all begin to chant and spin, all while Kelly plans on scaring them all with a blood-curdling scream from a voice box she has. Yet, when they all finish, Kelly is dizzy, and Drew cries out to Kelly, saying that Miss Mary is behind her! They all saw her behind Kelly, but when Kelly looks back, only shadows of her plush toys and backpack. She thinks they're playing a goof on her, but she isn't sure since our faces are so serious. You can't spook the spook, master. Kelly's a little freaked out and wants to do the ritual again so she can see Miss Mary. Everyone agrees to do it except Gavin. You don't mess with the dead are his own words. I mean, that's fair. They taunt him and say they should go or they should do it. But Gavin warns once was enough and that they made contact. You've started things in motion. A haunting tune is heard on Kelly's end, but she ignores it. June chimes in and says she agrees with Gavin that they should stop and ask if they all felt something tingling right before Miss Mary appeared. Then the tune appears, and they all can hear a weird, haunting song. Kelly decides she's going to see if it's the TV downstairs. And, uh, let, let me, let me, uh, read this part of the book, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd be fair, though. It's not a bad idea to just make sure to root out the non-paranormal. She walked across her room and rested her hand on the door handle. Straining her ear, she listened for the melody. Spaghetti. Anybody here that was here before this house was built? Spaghetti. The low buzz of garbled TV voices was the only noise she could make out from downstairs. Apple Tater. Tell us your name. Apple Tater. Apple Tater? <laughs> the music had stopped. She pushed open. She pushed. <laughs> she pushed open her door and poked her head into the darkened hallway. The smell immediately overwhelmed her. Inhaling, 
She felt weightless, spiraling back in time to a farmhouse in the snow, to a farty, to a farty. Farty. She just, she smelled farts. <laughs> to a party with filled with cheer and despair. The scent surrounded her, made her dizzy. She grasped the door handle to anchor herself. She drew her breath in again just to be sure the smell was undeniable. Peppermint. The icy mint aroma filled her nostrils and she knew Miss Mary is here. This is what it feels like to chew five gum. See, all I can think of when I say that or do the chewing, I think of that stupid, the the stupid claymation guys chewing gum <laughs> that people get angry at if you send. I like that gift though. I like that gift as well. Just... All right, on with the story. As she leaves her room more, the smell of peppermint is overwhelming, but she thinks that maybe Chrissy is baking something with peppermint. Or making hot cocoa with peppermint. But but the further away she is from her room, the less it smells of peppermint. She finds that the kitchen light is on, but no one is there except a class of sprites. Oh, oh I'm sorry, sorry. Clear lemon lime soda. <laughs> Just say sprite book. That hasn't gone flat. And Chrissy's phone, which Kelly finds odd because she thought Chrissy was attached to her phone. Millennials, am I right? <laughs> Kelly asks Ryan where Chrissy is, but he's too into his sci-fi movie with two three-eyed aliens molesting a cow to answer. What the fuck? They're probing a cow. I know, but, but it's... I, I, I had to say molesting, because that's, that's say, what it is. It sounds like they're fucking the cow, though. Molesting a cow. Then Kelly hears that weird eight-note chime, and Chrissy is at the kitchen table again. Kelly is like... Well, nothing down here, and returns to her slumber party. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. They're all goofing around on camera, except June. No one seems to know where she went. That's weird. Her screen is red, too. Both Paige and Spencer comment that she was there one minute, then gone the next. And how weird it was. That, but they decided to ignore it again, and, but are uneasy about the situation. Then a door is slammed, and a violent clap crash thunders through Kelly's house, and she rushes downstairs to see what's up. It was thunder? Maybe? Like... Th thunders? It doesn't thunder during winter storms, does it? I don't know. I was about to say, we don't if, live for local I was going to say, like, it, if it snows, it will snow, like, not even an inch, and will melt by midday. Yeah, but when it snows, there's no thunder. Then the ones we're in. I don't know if it's different. Alright, people who, where it snows normally, can you please answer our question? Is there thunder when it snows for you? That's the one question I have. We live in Arizona. We don't get snow a lot where we're at. Or at least in the in the valley. But still, we don't see thunder when it snows. So, that's, that's just a question. Yep. I mean, we could Google it, but I kind of want to hear first-hand experience. So, uh, the, the violent crash thunders through Kelly's house. I just used thunders as in it, it made a very loud noise, Sam. It wasn't actual thunder. I, I was using it because it's a very good word. It's, it's it meant is. to be loud. It is. But, I, but you took it as literal thunder. Meh. <laughs> I realized that was... smack you. No. And she rushes downstairs to see what's up. She asks Ryan, what was that noise? And he ignores her. Then she confronts a pale and ominous Chrissy, who says it was icicles falling off the back door in a feelingless manner, unlike her normal preppy, chirpy tone. Kelly asked if it was Chrissy who went outside and then slammed the door, but Chrissy denies it, even though she has her snow boots on that have fresh snow on them. Something is clearly wrong with this babysitter. My diagnosis? Bad babysitter. Dislocated shoulder. Bump on the noggin. My diagnosis? Bad babysitting. Chrissy finally says that Kelly should go back upstairs because she wouldn't want her to be downstairs. She, she wouldn't want her to be down there. I'm going to kill your brother now. Kelly, confused by this, asks who doesn't want her to be downstairs. But Chrissy just says, please, go back upstairs. Kelly contemplates calling her parents, but decides against it because what can they do except worry? So she says whatever and heads upstairs to ask Paige if she knows what's wrong with her bitch-ass sister. She returns to her computer and finds that Gavin and Spencer are quietly arguing with one another. 
June's screen is still crimson, and now Paige's screen is crimsons and clovers, too. Kelly asks where Paige went, and the boys claim she disappeared, and that a red curtain fell over her screen. They soon... T what? It's a red curtain. Well, I, that, that was my nice way of putting it. It's just literally know, the red. It just, yeah. I, you know, I was just... I, I put on my writing cap and wrote some really nice things. <laughs> That's what I thought. You want some more of the hair of the dog that bitch you, Sam? No. Here, here's some more... Here's some oh, more... That feels good. They soon tell her while she was away... After Paige disappeared, that they heard whispers coming from Kelly's room that sounded like, Miss Mary, Miss Mary. Gavin believes they brought back that dead girl. Kelly tries Paige. Sorry. <laughs> Kelly tries calling Paige and then texting her and then her, her home phone, but no answer. The two boys say she should tell Chrissy since she might know what's going on with her sister, but Kelly decides against that and tells them how Chrissy has been acting odd. Gavin says she's possessed. Gavin leaves Spencer's room to get a drink, and Spencer tells Kelly to meet her mic and types up a message saying Gavin has been acting odd, saying weird things under his breath. Kelly then notices on Spencer's camera that a shadowy hand was behind him, and before she can warn him, it grabs onto his throat and squeezes. Kelly is too freaked out to look away, and before she can do anything, she recognizes the attacker. It's Gavin! And he says he totally scared Spencer by nearly choking him to death. Ha ha ha. He nearly killed me. That's so funny, friend. Who that... would do that? Gavin, this is why you don't have friends. This is why you're the new kid. No one likes you. Forever a new kid. Yeah. Get... Next he pulls out a gun and all shoots him. Gotcha. <laughs> the two boys then begin to argue and shove each other. And the last image Kelly sees on the screen is Spencer's gray shirt. And then a message pops up on the screen. Bloody Mary. No, Miss Mary. Miss Bloody Mary. No, it's just Miss Mary. <laughs> Spence X 77 is offline. But it turns out that he did it so he could prevent Gavin from seeing their private messages. And he logs back in and checks on her. But before she can respond, the connection ends. Did the power go out? She wondered. Nope. The lights are still on. And then she notices the message of connection is temporarily unavailable. She tries to reset the modem, but still no connection. Does she have the modem in her room? Yeah, it's apparently in her room. Damn. I know, right? Fucking rich-ass Vermontians. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, my parents would be like, bitch, that's not going in your room. Right? She then texts Spencer if his internet is down, and he confirms it is. She waits to see if a signal will pick up, and eventually it does. And she gets back on, and Gavin and Spencer are still chilling with one another like nothing happened. But Kelly is unable to connect with Junior Page. So they hatch a plan to meet up at Kelly's and find out what's going on with the two girls. So Kelly waits for them to show up, but after 15 minutes, she gets fed up and checks to see if the doorbell is busted or something. Because they live across the street. Oh, okay, they so... all live within, like, the same block. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I forgot to like... mention that earlier. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. When she leaves her room, the peppermint scent is still there. She rushes downstairs and bursts open the front door and nobody is there. She looks across the street at Spencer's house, but sees that the house is pitch black, like nobody is even home. She decides to wait downstairs for them to arrive and sits with Ryan on the couch. Before she can even comment on whatever alien sci-fi movie he's watching, she realizes he's watching a program, which I, I, I gotta read what the description is, because it's pretty fucking funny what he's watching. And this is probably the most the most interested thing you'll be into, Sam, because um, I talked to you about this one. This is like the only thing I really talked to you about was weird, weird things. So this is what the program is. Three women in shorts and colorful tank tops stood in a row. They squatted in unison. Together, they kicked their legs and counted in repetitions. Was Ryan really watching an exercise show? She examined the women for another minute. They weren't even young or cool looking. They look like grandmother's friends. See, all I can think of is a, a paranorman. Yeah. When the one kid keeps, like, watching the... The exercise show, the fat kid. Yeah. But they were young and hot, though. True. But still, just that, like, I'll take it away. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, why are you watching this, she asked. Ryan didn't answer. 
His eyes never left the screen. He appeared mesmerized by the middle-aged women who were now jogging in place. Retro 80s music played in the background, but the women were hopelessly off the beat. (laughs) There was absolutely nothing interesting in this show. And it wasn't good enough to be funny. It was just bad. (laughs) Kelly narrowed her her gaze at her brother. She was so not in the mood for his tricks. Answer me! She demanded. He stayed mute, unmoving. She studied him. Was this a joke? Stop it, Ryan! And I I think I can continue from there. (laughs) So yeah, you weren't disappointed where you said. That is beautiful. And Ryan is just staring, unblinking. Even when she waves a hand in front of his face and shakes him violently. He's just a limp frozen body. Kelly thinks he's dot 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 possessed. <clears throat> nah, he dead. And Damn. yes, I have to put the family guy. I tell you he dead. I tell you he did. The Colonel She decides to call her mother, but decides on not telling her what's going on and saying everything is fine. Mom asks if Christy wants to talk with her, and that gives Kelly an idea. So she says her buys before the line dies and goes to the kitchen to find in Chrissy. But when she gets there, there's a tornado of paper swirling in there. The outside door is open and letting the cool air in. And where's Chrissy? Kelly screams her name, but no response. Kelly walks over to the, well, Kelly closes the door. Then she walks over to the desk where all the papers came from and notices a single paper with a picture on it sitting smack dab in the middle. It's the article about Mary. Kelly is freaked out This Kelly is freaked out The spirit has taken her friends Her brother and her babysitter She decides to call the police But what the fuck are the police gonna do? Shoot it? Shoot the ghost What you think the police are gonna shoot Dracula kid? Get the fuck out See all I can think of is the the Springfield cops with the mummy (laughs) See that I I always think of the the Deleted extended version where they throw the gun At the mummy and it dodges the gun Yeah I'm sad that got mi- that like is isn't on there. That's what I think of is just when he throws the gun. Just bad cops, bad cops. Cops in Springfield. Bad cops, bad cops. Uh, <laughs> she decides against it because yeah, it's a dumb idea. She decides to look outside to see if Christy is out there. Since she had boots on earlier, she turns on the lights and looks around the snow, or, or looks around. The snow hadn't really set yet, but she could see there were prints left outside. But it looks as if they were left by someone who was running. It had to be running. (laughs) It had to be Chrissy. But where was she? So Kelly decides it's time to take action and grabs her shotgun. No, she grabs her dad's snow boots that are next to the door and her green parka that's also by the door, and goes outside. She slowly follows the footprints that were left behind, and eventually she finds no more prints. So Kelly heads back home, but soon. She hears someone else's feet crunching in the snow. Is it Chrissy, she wonders? No, the steps are too heavy. So Kelly runs back to the house, freaking out. And when she gets to the door, it won't budge. She's locked out. So Kelly says her prayers, but soon finds out it's only Gavin. She's happy to see someone she knows, but she demands to know where Spencer is. But Gavin doesn't know where he is and wants to go inside. She tells him it's locked, but they hear that haunting medley again. It's Chrissy's phone, and it's coming from inside the house. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, no, that's where it was the phone already was. in the house. But yeah. <laughs> Gavin tells her to move over and let him try to get inside, and he opens the door with his dweeby strength. They rush inside, and it's just her and Gavin now. Gavin says that Spencer and his whole family disappeared, but before he can go on with his demented talk, Kelly notices the house is quiet. Ryan must have turned off the TV. She goes to check, and it is off. But Ryan isn't there anymore. She calls out for him, but no answer. Then, she rushes upstairs to see if he's went to bed. Gavin follows quickly behind her. When she gets close to the top, she knows that behind her, she smells peppermint. It's coming from Gavin. Is he possessed? <clears throat> she asks if he smells peppermint too. And he says it's probably his peppermint gum and offers her a stick. <laughs> she, go- she gets to Ryan's room and knocks. No answer. So she opens the door. He's masturbating. (laughs) When suddenly, sharp claws slash through her sweater, piercing the skin on her shoulders. And with that slashing, she hears an inhuman shrieking coming from her attacker. It's only Ezra the cat, and he's just freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly slips into Ryan's room and switches on the light. But there's no Ryan. 
So they both head back downstairs, but hear faint chanting somewhere in the house. And as soon as it appeared, it disappeared. Then the power goes out. They continue to go downstairs carefully and find the emergency flashlight when that creepy eight-note cell phone chime comes back. Someone is calling Chrissy's phone. Do they dare pick it up? So Kelly picks up the phone, and it's none other than Paige! Who do you think it was? Her boyfriend. Scruff McGruff. Her boyfriend being like, Actually, like it's a nudes. I, I cut this part out because she actually broke up with her boyfriend. Uh, like a or they broke up a while back, and that's why she was acting weird. But I was like, I cut that part out of the notes because like it's not really worth mentioning. Yeah. But hey, you, you had a good point, good idea of saying her boyfriend because she is a hot girl who is like always plays the lead in drama class. Yeah. So, yeah, the right idea. So Kelly picks up the phone, and it's none other than Paige. Kelly asks if she's okay, and and Paige, in an uneasy voice, says, "No, I'm not. Please save me." From who? Kelly asks. Where are you? Paige replies with static in the receiver. I'm in your basement and I'm not alone. Please save me. Then the line goes dead. She argues with herself about going downstairs to save her friend, but isn't sure who else is down there with her. Then suddenly, the lights and appliances in the kitchen buzz on. That helps her decide. She will go downstairs. She Sorry. Op- <laughs> All I can think of is the turning on the light yeah. and the microwave. Oh, the fucking and- King of the Hill joke. Yeah. <laughs> Like she turns on the light and the microwave turns on. She opens the door slowly and tiptoes her way in with Gavin. Kelly reaches for the light switch, but before she can even touch it, the lights flash on. And... Surprise! Surprise! Paige, June, Spencer, Chrissy, Ryan, Spencer's mom, and his brother Charlie were all down there and had set up a surprise party for Kelly. It was all a joke to scare her on her birthday. You got and, spooked, bitch. <laughs> and give her a good surprise. So they party until 11 p.m. And Kelly goes to bed. But before she does, she looks at her laptop and the webcam conference call that's still going on. She looks at Spencer's room and the Avatar poster. <laughs> yes, she she says that he has an Avatar poster. Is staring right back at her. And uh, let me just read you the last two pages of the and then book. It turns and it's blue furred butt cheeks. He flashes blue furred butt cheeks. Isn't it the female on the poster? Blue furry butt cheeks are flashed. Yep. That's all I know. Like, it just turns, just... Her friends, of course, weren't at their computers. The Avatar poster behind Spencer's desk filled the screen. Shadows covered the room. Spencer and Gavin were probably asleep. She paused before logging off. Then she smiled slyly. She'd send an email to the boys. A little something spooky to wake up to. Her fingers began to type. Miss Mary. Miss Mary. Miss Mary. She chanted the words under her breath as she typed. She was about to hit send when she glanced up. Her breath caught in her throat. There in the corner of Spencer's room, a figure shimmered. A woman in the shadows, reaching out, reaching out to her. The figure moved closer, gliding toward the screen. Red dress, translucent skin pulled tight over protruding bones. A skeletal hand reaching out, pushing up against the screen, scratching and clawing as if trying to get through, to get out, to escape. Kelly whimpered, then sucked in her breath. She slammed her finger against the power button on the side of her laptop. In a moment, her screen turned dark. The ghostly figure was gone. She remained motionless in her chair. She stared at the screen. Her heart pounded. Had she seen what she had thought she'd seen? She shook her head. She couldn't have. It had to be it had been a long night. It was she was overtired. That was it. Definitely overtired. She inhaled deeply. She had to calm down. Breathe. She had to breathe. She exhaled and then breathed in again and began to shake. Peppermint. The overpowering scent of peppermint. The odor came from her computer as if it was flowing out of the screen. She couldn't stop shaking. The smell, it was so strong. She thought back on the night. She had never told her friends about smelling the peppermint, and now she realized with horror that they had never mentioned it either. The aroma surrounded her, invading her throat, her nose. She thought about the words she'd just typed to Spencer. Miss Mary. So, what do you think, Sam? What do you think about that one? I think it was pretty clever. Right? I was about to say... I, I, as a 
homage. I'm not saying ripoff. I'm saying homage now to Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. This this does feel like a Goosebumps book in a lot of ways, including with all the pranks and stuff like that. Because that's like how a lot of Goosebumps books are. Is there's a lot of pranks and silly stuff like that. And I, I really enjoyed reading this one. Like actually, like every now and then I was having a hard time putting it down. And taking notes, I just wanted to keep reading and keep reading and keep reading. But, you know, I had to stop and take notes. But overall, I really like this one. Yeah. Like, I was about to say, uh, are, are you sad you didn't get to read along with me, Sam? Nah. But it sounded good, though. Like... <laughs> you couldn't finish this in less than an hour? I probably could have, but... I was about to say, I could have finished this in less than an hour if I didn't have to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, overall, I, I, I'm very happy I picked this one up, even though I picked it up because the cover looked so stupid. It looked like it was trying to be um, unfriended, you yeah. know? Like, it looked like a dumb unfriended parody or something. I only have 28 friends now. Yeah, something's, that's not how unfriended was. No, it was, that she kept getting less and less friends. As oh, I'm thinking of, um, what's the one with the, the, the Skype horror movie? I don't remember. Isn't that unfriended? It might have been unfriended. I don't know. No, no, that's not it. Hold on. Let me... Okay, I gotta Google it real quick. I remember Unfriended, where there was, like, video and stuff, but... That was the one with the woman who... What's it called? Who, like, literally friended that one chick, and then she, like, killed herself, right? Something like that. Skype horror movie. Yeah, that's Unfriended. That's the one, yeah. The one I'm talking about is Unfriended. Now, the one that we're thinking of was... Isn't that... No, Friend Request is the one that we're friend thinking request. of. Friend Request. That, that was the so fucking bad Friend Request. Kind of hilarious in that bad No, way. it wasn't even funny bad. It was just bad bad. Yeah, true. Because remember, we were trying to make fun of it, but it wasn't funny enough to make fun of. It wasn't like the Wishbox one. Um, Wish Upon? I, yeah. I think... Oh, my God. If you haven't seen Wish Upon, you have to see that. It is the... Best bad horror movie. I'm a slut for wontons. I'm a slut for wontons indeed. You need to get that out of your face, please. But, uh, yeah. Uh, ready for a scare? I kind of want to read more of the PJ Knight books. Yeah? I was about to say, if I can ever find them on eBay or Bookman's or something, I might pick them up. I was about to say, I, I give this one a firm thumbs up. If you've got a kid who's like, Goosebumps is good. Be like, no, this is this this actually has some really good prose in there. There's some really well written stuff. One thing you said to me is that you thought like she kind of treated, she didn't treat the like audience as dumb. Yeah, as dumb as like Goosebumps can sometimes. I wouldn't necessarily say. Well, yeah, I would say that Goose R.L. Stein kind of does treat audiences that way. I was about to say. Um, I heard rumors that on his um. I can't remember what it is where it's it's where you learn from someone the master classes or something mm-hmm. like Arl Stein has a master class and like one of the things he says uh, is that like he prefers writing for kids because kids haven't discovered sex yet to distract them you know from wanting mm-hmm. to read and stuff and that's why he prefers writing for kids so I can kind of understand like where he's coming from where he can write something a little bit easier you know write and kind of pass it off. But, like, when I read something like uh, Ready for a Scare, I'm actually kind of surprised. It was very good. Like, it, I think it's it's definitely in the same vein as a Goosebumps book. I don't think I will collect these like I would like I do the Goosebumps books, in all honesty. But you'll still look for them? I was about to say, if I find it for a, for a fair, cheap price, I'll pick it up. I would definitely pick it up. I don't have anyone who's in the age range for it that I talk to. Or really know, you know, I don't have anybody, like most of the people who I know who have kids are too young for this, so maybe when they're old enough, I might be like, here you go, you know? Yeah. I'd be like, this is better than Goosebumps, you know, this is slightly better than Goosebumps. That's what I would say, it's it's slightly better than Goosebumps. Yeah. Any thoughts and opinions, Sam? I mean, it just sounds like a good, like, it didn't go quite the way I thought it was, but kind yeah. of in some ways. All right. How would you feel about reading the the uh, Bionicle book with me next time? I'll be down. You're gonna you're actually gonna read the Bionicle book? Yes. You don't need to take notes. I'll take notes, but you can add on. Cool. That sounds good. Sounds good. So it'll only take you like thirty minutes to read the Bionicle book because I, I, I we have. Can you pick it up for me, Sam? I want to know what the title is. Oh god. Come on, you can do it. Don't throw up. Don't throw up. Or do you want to do Animorphs? Um, let's, let's see Bionicle. Okay. Where, where's the Bionicle? It's further away. It's it's by your yoga block. Wait, shouldn't we do a I Survive next? 
Oh my god, we do need to do that. Holy shit, I forgot it's almost... Oh no, we can't sell anything else about that. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh my god, you're right. We have to do that one next. Thank you for reminding me. Holy shit. Okay, next Drunken Book Club for the for the for the kids book edition. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna surprise. I'm just gonna say it. We found a book called Well, Sam, Sam, when we were at Bookman's, because I was kind of on a journey to find some bad kid book, bad slash interesting looking kid books, and Sam saw a series called I Survived. And was that the first one you saw? I can't remember if it was that or the Pearl Harbor. Well, it's it's pretty much a series about like literally someone surviving a specific historical event. And we have one for 9-11. And um I almost want to save it for next year, because next year it will be the twentieth the tenth anniversary. Or twentieth anniversary. Yeah. But you know what, we should do it every year. I feel like we could find another 9-11 book. I feel like we need to find another kid 9-11 book for next year. But this year, we're doing 9-11 times 10. <laughs> 9. 9,110. 9, Thank you. There you go, Sam. But, uh, yeah, next Drunken Book Club is going to be the I Survived 9-11 book. All right, if you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to like us on the Facebook page of Speaking of Which Podcast. If you, or if you prefer Twitter, SOW underscore podcast. And if you enjoyed my sultry tones, follow me at the Rupal on, the underscore Rupal on Twitter or Instagram. But follow SOW underscore podcast on Twitter because that's where I mostly tweet and stuff. And where can we find you, Sam? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rose. And we got two really good buddies that we would like you to also follow. Weiss, of course, at Force Left Hander on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. He should be, I'm not sh- I mean, I suppose maybe around the time that we're posting this, he should have, like, something related to his AMVs being posted, but I don't know. I can't confirm that yet. Stay tuned for that on SOW underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, and make sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash speaking of which. It is going to be on... I know I said it at the beginning of the episode because I have a pre-recorded message, but really, it helps us during these trying times if you, you know, hook us up. It really does. And there are a lot better tiers now because I kind of went... I kind of got my thumb out my ass and was like, hey, let's actually make some fun stuff. So stay tuned. And, you know, maybe you can listen to us a little bit earlier if you pay five bucks. I was about to say it helps. We could even do a poll. Well, yeah, that's what's, that. I also have that um, as an as an option, the three dollar option. Well, I'm thinking for book club after nine eleven. Yeah, what's it called? I mean, what's it called? That's kind of what I want to do for drunken book club, rubles, rupees, and stuff like that. Is actually make polls for everyone out there who's actually on our Patreon to help us decide what to read and what to choose. That's what I say. It's and that's only the three dollar tier. I'm almost thinking about dropping the $1 tier and making the $3 tier kind of the... The minimum. The minimum kind of thing. And just giving you everything at $3 for the most part. Like mine is early episodes and... And the box. And the books. The box. And bonus stuff. Yeah. Which we will be... I was about to say, it may be out by the time this episode is out, but make sure to look for on YouTube, speaking of which, gaming. Where we have an episode where we played the Austin Powers pinball game and had some good times. Uh, oh, and of course, you can't forget, follow our good friend, Voice of J-Rod, on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And make sure to visit his website, jrovio.com. <sighs> I'm, I'm excited for the next Drunken Book Club now. Yeah. I need to read it and get it ready. I'll read that with you. Yep. I'll read it first and then let you read it afterwards kind of thing. Yeah. And I'll send you my notes and be like, you want to add anything, go ahead. <laughs> cool. Alright, uh, what song should we go out on, on, on this spooky, ready for a scare? Like, what, what kind of scary song can we put at the end of this? And don't say something stupid. I was gonna try to go with, like, a peppermint song, but I can't think of anything. Ooh, we need a peppermint song. Ooh, the peppermint twist! Yeah. Okay, we're gonna put the peppermint twist at the end of this episode. So stay, stay tuned for the next Truck and Book Club for We Survived 9-11, me and Sam. That could be a lot of different good songs at the end of that one. For 9-11? We could either go Jingoistic, which I don't want to go. Yeah. Or we could go Anti-Jingoism. Like some of the songs, like Green Day. Yeah. Wake me up. No, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want to, when you were not living happen, I was sitting in the toilet. <laughs>
Crying over my ex-wife. Wake me up when September's over. <laughs> St. Jimmy's coming round across the alleyway. Up on the boulevards like a grenade. How, how about you sing clearly for people? Wait, wait, wait. I know what song to put at the end of this episode. I love you, baby, but all I can think about is kill boss the sausage, your butt cheeks is warm. I check my dipstick, you need lubrication, honey. My kill boss the sausage has just got to perform. Now get it on. That makes no sense for this. I just like that song. I, I do too, but it just says nothing. It. Good night, everyone. Good night. Can I have a pepper?